Brian, good to see you today, and uh, glad we can start the new year together. And kids are heading off uh, to their lesson downstairs. Uh, we are starting a new series today. It's called Beginnings, which makes sense because we'll be in the book of Genesis. And the word Genesis actually means that. It means beginning. And it used to be, I remember years ago, when, when I was a, a young Christian, a new Christian, and uh, was being discipled and worked with, the, the recommendation, I guess we would say, of where to start in the reading of the Bible, it used to be John, the Gospel of John. Um, I didn't know the difference between the Gospel of John and First John, so I did First John, but it was okay. It's all good. Uh, but uh, many people, especially over the, the past maybe five or ten years or so, said, you know what? We need to start in Genesis. That is the beginning after all, and just where our culture is heading and where people's uh, minds and hearts are. So, uh, But you know what? It's wherever you start for a new believer, it, it's good. But we're going to be in Genesis uh, today and actually for several weeks. We're not going to go verse by verse. I mean, even if we did uh, a chapter a week, it'd be 50, it'd be a whole year. It would be 50 weeks. Um, so we're going to kind of hit the high stories uh, as well. And um, uh, we won't cover the the genealogies and everything. I know. Huh? Oh, I wanted to look at those. But the, yeah, but they do make sense. There is a purpose that they are there. So we're going to look at what's really important in the beginning and what's first and foremost. In fact, the very first verse of the Bible is critical, it, it, obviously. And it's this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so there's several profound truths that come out from that. First of all, he's creator and we're not. You have a group of people, us, you have all of creation, you have all the animals, all the people, and God. He's in a category all by himself as creator. Everything else is creation. All the, everything that's on the periodic table of the elements, you know, copper and lead and helium and all that stuff, it's all there that God created in people and animals and bugs and everything else is all creation. Angels are part of creation as well. But he stands alone. He's unique as creator. There's no one else in that category. He himself is uncreated. He's always existed. Before there was time, before time existed, God was there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living and existing in perfect harmony, needing nothing, completely self-sufficient. And so that verse just tells us he created. He's the creator of everything. He was the king before there was a kingdom. And every theological concept that we find in the rest of Scripture hangs on that truth. If God's not creator, then nothing else in the Bible matters. It is that critical. It's that important. You look at things like justice and mercy and redemption. Why are those possible? Why are those available? Because of our creator, because he put the universe and things together. Why are the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments? Why didn't he pick other commandments? Because he is the creator. The cross itself is reliant, theologically speaking, on the fact that God is creator. Holiness, Jesus' return. 
In fact, I say it this way, I made this up myself. Are you ready? He's the maker, so he makes the rules. That's pretty good, right? He's the maker, so he makes the rules. Everything, everything from Scripture hangs on this. It's that important. Now, I'm going to cover some things uh, fairly quickly here because I want to get to the idea of us being made in the image of God. How or when did God create? Now, this is where believers, well-intending believers, debate. First of all, there's the, the idea that God created in six literal days, as we read in Genesis 1. Can God create things in, in six 24-hour periods? Absolutely, he could do that. He could do it in six seconds if he wants to. Um, and so many people hold uh, to, that, to, that, to that view. Uh, there's, other, there's other things, though, that people wonder and question about. Sometimes they wonder, well, are the days... 24 hours, or are they like epochs, like 10,000 years or, or around that time length, and they're called a day. Uh, if you look at each of the first six days, the fir- each of them start and end. The first day, and, this, and it, you know, he does this on the first day, and the day ends. Second day, third day. The seventh day never ends. There's also issues of, of okay, well, did God create with history or not? You know, Adam was created a full adult being, able to talk and think and reason right from the first day of his creation. So he was born with history. Did God do that as well? There's also another theory that's called a gap theory that says a lot of the age that we see in our universe is somewhere between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis to where God just had all the stuff that was there. The earth was formless and void. It was just massive stuff out in the universe, and it coalesced together. Well, maybe that took a long time between verse 1 and 2, perhaps millions of years. It doesn't matter to God. Now, don't misunderstand. It's okay to debate. None of us were there. But uh, what we have to be unified, though, uh, is this. Because this this one truth separates the believer from everyone else, from the godless, from the godly. And this we have to agree on. And that is, just like the verse said, the subject and verb, God created. And we, again, it's fine to debate. It's fine to look at these things and, and look through the scriptures and look at science. If, if, if you want to do that and pursue that, and some people get really excited about that. I don't, I don't, mind that at all in one way or the other. But we have to come back to that truth that God created. And we have to be unified around that because the world doesn't agree with that. The world thinks we're just one gigantic accident. It just astounds me as I see uh, in in science the complexity of one cell, which we 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 need a microscope to see something that small. And it is so complex and so amazing. It's almost like its own little universe in and of itself. And then to think that that was an accident. I, I watch a lot of uh, uh, space shows. And I don't, yeah, I mean science fiction. But I mean like, you know, the planets and the stars. And the unbeliever is desperate to find life on another planet. Because they think it will justify the accident that we maybe had here. Uh, frankly, they haven't even found an amino acid that's not even DNA, just a chunk of DNA. They haven't even found amino acids yet. And so um, 
we have to make sure that we come together in unity around the fact that God created. Zion holds the expression, you're going to get a couple Latin expressions today. Here's your first one. It's ex nihilo. It means out of nothing. God just says, boom, I want that. And there it was. Uh, he created light and, and all the, the different things throughout each day. Uh, it is also interesting as, as physicists and scientists look at the Big Bang and they describe, well, what was before the Big Bang? And they said, nothing. Like, yeah. And boom, there it was. You know, God said, and bang, there it was. That's my view of the Big Bang. Is, is it just made everything as well. So what did God create? Again, real quickly, light. Light that goes 187,000 miles per second. God made that. Water, which we need for life. Uh, vegetation, the sun, moon, and stars. And water animals, land animals, and finally on people on the sixth day as well. But as I said today, well, I want to focus on this idea of being made in God's image. Because I think it's very, very relevant for us. I, it's my belief in holding that the lack of understanding of this concept out in the world is accountable for 99, if not 100%, of our world's problems and issues. And we'll see that later. But Genesis 1.26, the first part of the verse, says this. And God said... Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We are made in the image of God. Now, if you were a Hebrew scholar, especially before Jesus came, this verse freaked you out. Because who's God talking to? Let us make man in our image? Hmm, that's plural. Is he talking to the angels? Well, we're not made in the image of angels. If we did, we'd have eyes all over us, and that would be creepy. Okay. But the, Trinity, the whole Trinity is involved in creation. See, when God, when he made people, he said, let us make it in our image. The first thing is to, to make sure we identify is that it's a community. We're, we're meant to be together. We're not meant to be lone ranger. Here's your second Latin expression it's in his image. It's called imago Dei. It just means that, in his image. What does that mean? Because I look around here and I say, well, we all look different. And once in a while you find someone who might look somewhat like you. And, and huh, what does it mean then? Does it mean physically? Well, obviously not. Later on we're going to read male and female, he created them. So it's not necessarily a physical uh, image, but there's some things that sets us apart from the rest of creation. First of all, is just rationality. We have the ability to think. We can figure things out. We, we can solve problems. We could do math. Uh, we have rationality. God has the same thing. We also, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we have relationality. In other words, we can interact with other people. We can form groups and countries and, and clans and everything else. We can get together and be in groups and relate to other people. We also have freedom of will, as God does. So I think we can make decisions. And later on, this comes up to be a problem for us when we talk about the fall next week. But we can choose to go and do what we want to do. 
and then also we have moral attributes of, of, of virtue. So we understand, hey, love is a good thing. Justice is a good thing. Truth is a good thing. We have those from God, our creator himself, that he has given us as part of his image. And there's one more thing that's kind of a handy-dandy tool that God does, but he's also given it to us and not to say the animals. And we're using it this very, very second. No, it's not chairs or air. It's language. So I could take a thought in my head and I could put it in your heads instantly. I could say something like house and boom, you all thought of house. Isn't that crazy? That's wonderful. Well, God uses language too. And he uses the written language and spoken language throughout history. Uh, and there's always some smart aleck, well, what about bees? They talk. It's like, they just talk where the honey is and how far. That's it. They don't talk about justice or the Steeler game or anything else. They just talk about that. So we'll give them that. Uh, in God's image, it's, it, it's complicated because of the fall, but it means that we are supposed to reflect him or we represent him. Now, later this morning, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. And I know there's some differences among different uh, groups who um, uh, talk about Jesus and so forth, about what the, the bread and the cup represent. And some say, well, it is really the body of Christ, but just it's, it's a representation of him. It's not his blood. It's a little wafer. And it's some juice. But it represents something much deeper and much more significant. And so we honor it. Uh, I remember one time Trish and I were at a church gathering. And the juice had spoiled. And we drank it. We put it in our mouth. We both looked at each other thinking, would it be right or wrong to spit this out <laughs> because it was rep it was just juice but it was representing the blood of Christ and so that's why Paul is very clear he said look don't take this lightly for what it represents okay we have it's around the tree here now we have an american flag that represents our country is that piece of is that our country no it's a piece of cloth but it represents our country and we would honor it, and every, every school day our kids pledge to it. So it represents something, and it should be honored. In the same way as we are made in the image of God, we're representing him. We are not God. We're not made into a bunch of little gods. But we're to reflect him in his image. And that's why it's so important. And here are some implications that we're made in his image. Every single person, every person has dignity. Every one of them. Every single human being has value and worth. Every one of them. Absolutely. Our culture, our world has placed kind of these artificial measurements of value. You have to be good enough. You have to be pretty enough or handsome enough. You have to be rich enough. You have to be famous enough or talented enough. And so they, they impose these worth. You have to be a, a certain weight or a certain body shape to have worth. And that changes, first of all, all the time. 
But none of those measurements matter. What matters is, is God says, you, my son, my daughter, have worth. Because he said so. Because we're reflecting him. And, and our, our scales, our other scales of value are completely irrelevant. And furthermore, because we look at others and say, well, they have value. You know what that means? It means you have value. You might feel like less than, you know, or maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel you don't measure up. You know what? God says you have value by that issue alone. Uh, it's the question then is, who do you believe? When you're thinking about the value of others and the value of yourself, who do you believe? Do you believe what the world says, what your own conscience says, what your own desires say, or do you believe God who says, just because I made you, you have value and worth. And it, it, it matters how we treat other people. We are different, but we all bear his image. This is what I meant when, when most of our world problems are, are, are from a lack of understanding. Look at the news. If you boil it down, if you boil down the different things you see around the world and even locally, the problems and issues we're facing is because people do not believe that other people are made in the image of God or they don't believe themselves are. There was an article today, six-year-old little boy shot his teacher. You know why? Because ultimately he didn't believe that he or his teacher was made in the image of God. Most of what we deal with and face today in our tragedies and the things that just make us wonder and say, oh God, come, are because people don't believe that. We are made in his image. We are valuable. Well, why did he do this? Why did he make his image bearers? Let's go back to Genesis 1. Uh, it's finishing out verse 26. And let them, his image bearers, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I mean, did he underline and underscore that enough? We're made in the image of God. And one of the reasons why he did it is to have dominion over the earth. What does that mean? Well, it, it doesn't mean either extreme. <laughs> One extreme says, well, we have to worship creation. We have to do whatever we can to preserve things in our creation, in our world, uh, even if people die because of it. Um, we don't worship creation. We manage creation. But the other extreme is we don't purposely damage creation and abuse it. In other words, if we make a mess, clean it up, right? You probably said that in your own house at some point to your kids. If you make a mess, clean it up. On well, the same way, we should clean up our own messes. Uh, a, an example that um, I, I appreciate uh, of how to manage, even though it costs me money, and even though it can be a pain in the neck, and that is fishing and game regulations, you know, got to go to Walmart, get my, you know, get my fishing license every year. But I understand. Now, it doesn't mean they, they, the game commission does everything perfectly. I get that. But there's an attempt, there's a desire to manage how many trout, how many deer we have in, in 
raccoons and whatever uh, that, that we have in our, in our area. That should be managed. I think that's a good example, even though, again, as I said, it's not always done perfectly, but that's what it means to manage these things and manage creation. We have three tasks. Let me continue reading in verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, or again, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So a few things from that we're to do. We're to, we're to be fruitful and multiply. We're supposed to have kids. Right? And some people say, well, I think we've done that already. We've done, I don't know. I don't know for sure if that, if that commandment is, is done for all of creation or not, but we're to be fruitful and multiply and have kids. Why? Because we're supposed to fill the earth with image bearers. And we need a lot, we need a lot of them to do that. Uh, the, um, later on, as you, as you look at in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, they were supposed to go out and fill the earth again. This was after the flood. Well, they didn't. We're supposed to go and fill the earth and overall creation and explore it. And then, as I said earlier, we're to rule over creation, carry out our job description. Another way to look at this is tend the garden. Tend the garden of creation that God made. It's going to need work. By the way, little side note, Work was created before sin entered creation. Work is biblical. Work is good. Work brings honor to God. It's part of our responsibilities to be his image bearers in our jobs. Now, I know sometimes our jobs are tough, um, but we'll get to the fall, as I said, next week. In summary, we're image bearers. And we're also culture makers. We're to, we're, to, we're to show and reflect our creator, but then also we're culture makers. God's design is to fill this world with image bearers of himself so that all of glory, everyone can see, the animals, uh, the rest of creation, uh, the angels themselves can see, wow, God has filled and encapsulated this whole earth with his presence because of us. People who, uh, who love like God should live like God would live and rule over his creation as he would. So we're his representatives. The New Testament uses the word ambassador as well. So like a father giving an inheritance to a son, so, you know, a, a man builds a business and he uh, is ready to retire and he's brought his son along to him. He says, now I'm going to hand this off. It's now going to be in your name, in your possession, uh, and you are going to represent the family name in this inheritance. The king delights in his sons and daughters reflecting him around the world. We're created as image bearers. We're created to bring glory to God in our culture and where we live. Well, how? How do we do that? 
Uh, what does that mean for us every single day? We image him in our lives and our culture. So pick, pick your area of influence. It, it could be in politics. It could be in art. How about what many of us face every day? It could be in your employment. Uh, it, it's in our community. It's when you're going shopping. It's when you're talking to your neighbor to image the living God, the creator, to others who need him, to your friends, to your family. Uh, how do we image God in our use of technology and social media and our entertainment? How are we representing him there? Especially if someone is reborn, if they are, have a new life in Christ, we image him. Specifically with, say for example, our words. Do our words reflect the creator? Are they like him? Are they like our dad? Are we reflecting his names? Or our actions, do they demonstrate who he is? Now we're not always perfect with how we use our words and how we and what we do. But it does mean that we can go back, ask for forgiveness, and restore a relationship where we had failed in being a good image bearer. Do my attitudes show a glimpse of who the Creator is? As we go through difficult times, as we go through frustrations, as we go through sitting at the same light three times because there's so much traffic, and you just, do people see the image bearer in that? Will people see and be drawn to Jesus because of the changes that he's made in me and you? Will people be drawn to that? There's some additional things I want to point out with our image bearingness that we need to do. First of all, we have to value other people. And it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, I do that. But you know what? It's very subtle to not value other people. Clear as I can say it, racism does not value other people. And I don't understand how uh, years ago, especially before the Civil War, how uh, race was used to uh, look at other human beings as lower. They're not. They're made in the absolutely image of God. Whether any form of racism has no biblical basis. It doesn't. Um, but there are some more subtle things where we might look lower on someone as well. Uh, and not so subtle ones. The not so subtle things, I mean, obviously we have uh, people that are involved with modern day slavery. It's like, what do you mean? Well, it happens all the time. It happens uh, with people in, in sex trafficking or labor trafficking. They, they're not thought of, the victims, the slaves, are not thought of as people. They're thought of as things. That's completely contrary to looking at them as an image of God. Or looking at others and looking at someone's life, and maybe they just ha don't have their act together. And even in your heart, and I've done this, where you think, what a loser. What a, what a worthless individual. They're made in the image of God, and they have value. And it, now, some people do very, very wicked things. And I don't understand how it fits together, how you could be very wicked and harmful to other people and still be created in the image of God. But you are. And that person, as bad as they are, is not beyond the redemption of Jesus. Um, 
guys, most of this is as, as applies to guys, but many men can subtly look at women as lower or not quite in the same vein as made in the image of God. If you don't believe me, look at even, even older television and movies of how women are treated and viewed. They're just things. They're just to be enjoyed either visually or otherwise by someone not to be considered valuable. Uh, you're starting to see people speak up against this in Hollywood uh, and more, more and more. Uh, but uh, it, it, it has its worst um, expression in the form of pornography. It's just thinking of that person as a thing and not as a being made in the image of God. If anyone is used in any context, in any way, if anyone is used, then the God image is denied. And that, again, that applies to people we, we work with, that we are in our neighborhood. We, um, we have to value other people. The other thing to, to consider in terms of being made in God's image, remember, he's in community. So God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That means if he values community, guess what we should do? We should value community as well. That, in, that could take a form in a neighborhood, in a church, in a family, but there shouldn't be lone rangers as well. And then finally, value yourself. I've had failures. I've had times where I thought I was worth nothing. Gotten kicked out of college. Messed up again, over and over again. Found myself deep in debt. No one is the richest or the most beautiful. There's always someone richer. There's always someone more beautiful. So we can't use that scale. But God says, regardless of your place, your failures, your successes, you have value. And again, it comes down to to whom are we going to believe? What the world's changing standards are or his? And so it, he, he will, of course, if we're, if we're having trouble, we're having struggles, he can restore, he can correct and discipline. But we're not measured the way the world does. We're measured because God says so. Who are you going to believe? When I was um, early in my ministry years, it seemed like the slightest little criticism would just keep me up at night, literally, for days on end. And there might be 20, 30 people who would affirm and bless me and tell me, hey, great job, you keep it up. But it was that one person, that one person that was critical. And one day God said, Joe, I mean, he didn't, you know what I mean. But it was Joe. That person that was critical of you is a jerk. All these other people are godly. So why are you worrying what a jerk thinks when I've spoken to all these others? Don't listen to the jerk of the world that says we're worthless because we're not this or we're not that. Don't listen. They're jerks. The world is a jerk. Satan is a jerk. 
Don't listen to them. But the God of the universe, the one and only creator says, you are valuable in my sight. His voice means so much more than any others. Let's spend some time praying through this. We're going to do our pause and pray time. If you would like to pray out loud, you're welcome to. Uh, otherwise, it's just a, uh, pray along with us quietly for those who do pray out loud. You know, there's some things I, I picked up from this. He's creator, we're creation. Let's praise him for that. And then let's thank him for that image that he's given it to us. I mean, it, it's even hard to wrap my brain around that, that God has made me in his image. And he made you in his image too. What a blessing, what an honor. And then endeavor to reflect him more clearly. So uh, whoever would like to pray, go ahead and pray out loud, and then I will close this in a little bit. How is it, Lord, that we have even access to praying to you now? You are that magnificent. You have created this entire earth and all the necessary systems for life, and you have made every single atom that we don't even know about, that we can't even see with our strongest telescopes. You, dear God, have put all the galaxies and everything into place by a simple act of your will. And we, your children, your sons and daughters, we have access to you as your image bearers. And so, Lord, we um, seek you. We, we want to be like you. Uh, we acknowledge that you indeed are our creator. And so, Lord, I thank you for your image. I thank you for this image that will never perish, this image that uh, you have placed in me uh, uh, at my creation and then renewed in me through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And one day, we'll be completely like you. walking with you in glory and in joy. And so, Lord, we praise you, we thank you, we honor you. Lord, we pray for our hearts that you would help us to image you even better, to look at our fellow creatures as, as image bearers of God and not assign value to them based on some other standard besides what you have said. Lord, for um, our, our community, our culture, that is so harmful to one another, is just seeking to do harm to, one, to, to another person because they've been taught, many have been taught, that there's no, there's no value in being an accident. There's no value in, in the fact that we're here just by chance. But Lord, we acknowledge and praise you for the fact that we are created by the Creator. And so, Lord, we, we want uh, this, this thought, this action, uh, this mindset to permeate our lives and our hearts to to be your image bearers in our work in our families in our interaction with one another uh, as we as we drive off uh, here today in in every single circumstance in our school uh, whatever that context might be lord we want to bear the image of the most holy god based on the power of your holy spirit for a new believer in the lord and God, as we remember another image today, the bread and the cup. The bread we know represents your broken body. That was for us. It was for me. And that blood, Lord, is your signature. It is the reminder of your uh, promise to us 
that your death and resurrection are more than enough for what we need for new life. And so, Lord, as a church, as a body of believers here today, we celebrate it and we remember it and we honor it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we take a few minutes now, if you're a believer in Christ, again, I want to encourage you. This, Yes, it is just, just. Literally, it's bread and some juice. But it symbolizes something very profound. I want to encourage you to um, honor that as a symbol, uh, as what it's reflecting uh, in your life, in our, in our lives, in our church. If you're not a believer, it's fine. Just please don't take it. If you, if, you, if you have examined yourself and your conscience is clear, come on up. I do have a little bit of teaching to do for you today, though. Um, we have some different, uh, I don't know what you call these. Some people call them Christian Lunchables, thank you. Um, <laughs> the older ones had the, had the uh, little wafer on the top. This one's on the bottom. So don't open the juice and turn it upside down. <laughs> Gravity will get you every time. So take the, take the bread out first and then open the juice. Okay, we'll see who remembers that. Play some music and then uh, give you an opportunity to um, uh, get your heart ready before the Lord. No, we kind of put some things on pause a little bit for during the holidays, uh, but our Tuesday night life group is starting up again for families, couples. We don't have childcare uh, that evening, but Tuesday nights we're going to be going through Romans. We're kind of picking up where we left off a few months ago. If you want to come and join us, you're welcome to uh, read up through Romans four, <laughs> and you'll be caught up with us 6:30 p.m. It's right here. And so we hope you can join us on Tuesday nights. Uh, the other thing we're doing uh, for the guys is we're calling Review Preview. We had six guys here this morning at 8 o'clock. And so we're reviewing the previous Sunday's message. So we'll look at Genesis 1 next week. And then uh, Genesis 3 as a preview uh, for the message next week as well. So guys, join us here for that uh, at 8 o'clock. Uh, two other things. One, we would really appreciate your help today, after we're done, uh, taking down all our Christmas things. Uh, and so a lot of hands make it really fast work. Uh, we got these trees, this big one, of course, and a few garlands and wreaths. There's also a few things downstairs. Uh, so if you could stick around and help us for, usually we get it done, what, like like half an hour or something? We get enough people here. So it, it gets done really quickly uh, with enough help. So I uh, hope you could do that, uh, help us with that today. One more thing, um, you saw a few, about a month ago, Pastor Trent was here. He gave a message. Pastor Trent has been with Zion for 25 years. And so they're having a special uh, anniversary party. It is a secret. Uh, do not tell him. Hopefully he's not going to listen to this. Uh, too late now, huh, Greg? Yeah, should have warned you. Uh, I don't think he will. I don't think he will, but we'll find out. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, on the 21st, it's a Saturday, there is a surprise celebration party uh, for him. Pam, his wife, is, is in on it, but she doesn't know that she's also being honored. So we're going to get them both. Uh, his, his, all his kids will be in town and so forth. Uh, it's, it's the 21st, it's a Saturday, 
5.30, and it's at the Clarion campus. But here's what I need, because there's, there, there's going to be food there. If you're planning on attending, could you tell me today? Uh, and just send me a text or note or send me something, or just tell me today later on. It says, yeah, we'll be there, uh, and uh, we'll honor uh, Pastor Trent. 25 years is a long time. There are people not even 25 years old in this room. And so um, I think it's good and appropriate to honor him on that day. Okay, ready?